This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 555 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Coming up on today's show, we chat with Lauren Annette about riding your first test and Jennifer Roth about getting started in Western Dressage. I'm Stacy Westfall. And this is not Glenn the Geek. Instead, it's Coach Jen sitting in for Glenn the Geek, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show, Western Edition. Welcome to the show, Stacy. Thanks for having me. This is exciting. This is very exciting. You are a familiar voice to longtime Dressage Show listeners because you've come on the show a few times with Reese and Phillips to chat about your early adventures into Western Dressage. But maybe for more recent tuners in of the podcast, they might not be so, so familiar with how you ended up in this space because the gal with all the amazing videos online of all the cool raining stuff and Western stuff and the cool cowboy hats are going, wait a minute, what's she doing there? <laughs> and there, and you, you've got the cred. You should be here. How'd that all get started? Give us a little background. You know, it's really interesting because... I grew up in the state of Maine, way, way, way far east. And when I look back, I mean, I remember growing up and seeing the Olympics, uh, the you know, the dressage on the Olympics. And it was like, you saw horses on TV for two things, the Olympics or like the Kentucky Derby. And that was it. Yep. And that was it. <laughs> and so, of course, I was clinging to the television anytime that those two things happened. And then I lived less than an hour from one of our Olympic riders, Michael Poulin. But if you can think back, like when I'm, this is me as like, you know, six, eight, 10, I'm just fascinated with horses. And I think it was around the age of 12. I always have to double check with my mom, but I got my first, now looking back, it's like an all all purpose English saddle for my pony. But I thought it was like the best thing ever. It was so special. It was so amazing to get, first of all, like a brand new saddle, let alone that it was finally an English saddle because I was always either Western or bareback. And we took that winter, we took some lessons over at Hillside, which would have been Michael Poulin's barn. And it was really interesting because my mom and I both loved horses, but we would get on these huge, well-trained horses and take lessons. And it'd be like, I don't know what a diagonal is or what a lead is. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure my horse is following the instructions of the woman who's telling us to trot because I didn't do anything. She said, Trot, we're now going faster, and I don't know what's happening. It, I was so fascinated with the whole thing. I can remember that because they actually had two indoor arenas on the side of a hill, and so you had you walked through the one and then down a tunnel, and then you were out into another one because they were kind of terraced into the hill. And I remember we were walking through, and Michael was lunging one of his horses, and we were just like in awe. And, you know, they, I was, it was exotic. It was so, oh, and then of course they were doing like, you'd, you'd see a horse doing like pee off and, and they were, and somebody at the barn, I, cause I'm a little kid. I don't even know what adult was talking to me. I was just staring at the horse. All I remember is staring at the horses. And I remember staring at this horse that I had no idea what, what pee off was. And I remember, and they were like, we had an overrun of ants and we were trying to figure out how to get rid of all the ants. 
So we taught the horses how to stomp the ants. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and you're just like, I'm just like little kid. And I'm just like, these are the most beautiful creatures I've ever seen. I can just imagine the little stars <laughs> in your eyes. Totally. <laughs> and so I think it was really, it was really interesting, but my mom and I took lessons there over the winter because it was Maine and we had nowhere to ride, but out in the snow or whatever it was that we just, we, we, we pretty much would get on and go on a trail ride and that was everything we did. So in the winter, we didn't do a lot of riding, but it became really clear as we finished that, that our horses, the gap between our horses at home and what we were doing for the lessons was like really big. It was a really big gap and and not like an unpleasant way, but sort of almost, I'm going to put it like out of reach because I remember you couldn't relate the two. Yes. Yeah. I could, it just, yeah, I couldn't relate it. And it seemed like a gap that would never be closed. And I think that's why on one of the other like horses in the morning episodes, Glenn was like, you know, you're kind of sort of like fascinated with the fact that you just earned your bronze medal. And I'm like, I am sort of fascinated that I had just earned it. He's like, why are you so fascinated? <laughs> and I'm sure he said it more tactfully, but it was like, why are you so fascinated with this bronze medal after everything else you've done? And I was like, you know, it's because it felt so out of reach when I was little. And those things that happened to you when you're little, I think they stick with you in a way that you don't necessarily recognize until I'm like walking around and like the one picture I sent you, it's like, I'm in the cowgirl hall of fame. And then I've got this bronze medal and I'm like this bronze medal beside, like, this is like perfection. I've got these two side by side. I'm loving both these, but it's that little girl dream. It's that, it's that little girl dream. And also those kinds of memories from when you're tiny, it's, it's a little bit, you go back to a place that you, visited as a child and it made it a large and it made it an impact on you as a child when you go back the place will often feel smaller yes because in your child's mind it's it's great and grand and for you a little mysterious mm-hmm. so when you went back to earn your bronze medal in western dressage traditional dressage. traditional dressage sorry in traditional yeah. dressage you were doing it with your adult brain Mm -hmm. but it was your child emotion that was connected to it that's a really fascinating take on it I like that yeah it 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 was it it was really interesting and it didn't make me it did it wasn't like an oh this is out of reach kind of a sad moment it was just like well this isn't going to happen right now you know Mm -hmm. just and but it, it also I do remember later on you know, when people would be like, do you write English or Western? And, you know, there, it did feel like there was kind of a dividing line mm-hmm. and it became Western. And so to my amazement later on, when I started looking around and everything, I mean, I literally just hadn't looked up from just learning, 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 learning. Mm-hmm. And I looked up and I'm like, what if I did try it? And then I was like, oh my goodness, like the way this foundation, I took horses, my Western horses, like my one, the fir- my first dressage horse, you'll get a kick out of this. He's the colt that I won the road to the horse with. So I did the colt starting competition, rode to the horse with him and won. Then I made him into a reigning horse, got his AQHA ROM in reigning, which is just basically you earn a certain number of points by competing and winning a certain amount. Then I took him and made him into a mounted shooting horse and was running like I, I went from there's six different levels and I worked my way um, four rungs up the ladder. and and then. Then I sent him because he's really well trained. 
I let him go vacation one summer at a kid's summer camp where he taught lessons to kids oh anywhere goodness. from like beginning to that. Then I brought him back and I'm like, I kind of want to try dressage. And they're like, who are you going to, who are you going to use? I'm like, well, popcorn there. He's as, he, he's got all the buttons I've ever put on a horse. So he's probably my best bet. So I took some lessons from Reese and I went and I was like, I was like, Reese, I don't even know what to do. She's like, do training three. And I'm like, okay, training three. W- like, what am I, like, why am I even doing this? She goes, well, do training three and then see if you can get your scores to qualify for regionals. I'm like, what does that even mean? And she's like, okay. And I'm, and yeah, so because like, the same process has a completely different language attached to it in different disciplines. It's the same process you went through with popcorn to get his ROM. It's just all the different words are attached to it. Yeah, yeah. And, and, so, and so she's like, so you need to get five scores above a 68 because you're an open rider. So you're, you're, you're professional. So you're an open rider. So you have to get scores above 68 and you need five of them. And I'm like, okay, there's a target. And so I went out there and in the first six shows, so I I showed six times and got my five scores. So pretty much right out of the gate, which all I, the only reason I even say that is just because to me, it was such a unifying feeling that everything this horse had learned when I was training him reining and mounted shooting and all of these different things, none of it was this major conflict for him to turn around and just go into this other discipline told me that fundamentally at the foundation, mm-hmm. there is more that's the same than there is that, di- that is different. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially what I did last year when I decided to start showing my little mare Willow I wanted to learn about West. I wanted to learn more about dressage, but I knew I was going to be more competitive and want to compete in Western dressage, but there aren't very many shows around here. And I thought, well, if I continue my pursuit of traditional dressage, then this is going to be a really, really good way for me to learn more about Western. And it stretches me out of my comfort zone a lot more. I'm telling you, the whole different outfit has me paranoid. <laughs> I have asked more strangers on the way to, I, and see, I mess up all the language. I'll be like, on the, on the way to the pen, on the way to the ring, on the way to the arena, whatever it's called. When I'm headed to show, I'll be walking through and I'll, because I am I feel like I'm missing something because I'm used to putting on jeans and then chaps over the top. And I've got on these glorified tights and I feel <laughs> naked. <laughs> And I'm walking up, so I feel like I'm forgetting. And I'll be walking up going like, hi, I don't know who you are. Do I have everything on? Do I have all the parts? (laughs) I have a number. I have a horse. I think I've got everything else. And they they grew to find me humorous. I'd be like, do I look dressed? Everybody, anybody? I've got got an important question for you. Okay. (laughs) One of the bits of advice that is often handed out by successful competitors to those who are looking for advice is to use the same equipment when you school as you do when you compete Mm -hmm. so that you don't have surprises, but you also have the muscle memory and the tactile memory. It's all the same stuff. There's no reason to get outside your focus. And that goes for the clothing as well. So, When you're at home, do you, do you ever school in English riding breeches? Yes. So let's look at last year. And I started out in 
pretty much like February, I was like, I'm going to be really seriously focused about showing in traditional. And that's what I did. Both of my main horses that I rode, they both, I, I laugh because my young horse that never even went to a show rode as many or more tests than my show horse, because I would ride my show horse in my English tack, the whole nine yards. I would ride her. I would get off from her. I would switch tack over and I would ride my second horse same exact way. And I didn't ride in my Western gear at all from like February until June. And if, if there was ever a day that was an exception, it was because I was headed to the trail and I was just going to go trail ride. So maybe I'd throw something on, but like, as far as arena work and focus work, it was all that. And then this is really funny. I hit June and I really pushed myself to show up. I earned my, my bronze. I earned it all in a three month period. Like I did all of my showing all this really super intense. I got to June and I'm like, I'm tired. And I, <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I know I have this, I'm like kind of like famous for like biting off a lot and then being like, what the heck? Why am I so tired? Well, and then I did the, then I flipped and did the opposite and I had hit, I'd, I'd earned my bronze. I'd learned a ton of the lessons I wanted to learn. And then because of what you're asking about the, the muscle memory and all that stuff, I then switched a hundred percent back to my Western attire and went, wow, this feels like coming home. Like there's a, <laughs> like, a serious comfort level that I didn't even realize. I'd thankfully kind of forgotten it because I had done such a only in this tack. And then I would kind of forgotten it. And then I got back and I was like, wow. Then I, I played, obviously I was headed towards the Western dressage world show and the Western dressage. So I was still doing dressage moves. And then I started going to my, my dressage lessons with my traditional dressage instructor in my Western attire and Western tack and mixing it and, up, yeah. and, and mixing it and then, and then doing that. But then it was funny because then this year when I pulled the English saddle, the dressage saddle back out, I was like, yeah, we still like, I still have this a little bit of a, it's actually super fascinating to study how the different saddles hold you in different positions and what that causes and I can feel a craving for my dressage saddle when I do a lot of the more collected work mm -hmm. because my Western saddle is a little slippery. It lets me, it lets me slip and I'm not riding with my, I'm not riding with chaps on when I'm mm -hmm. at home. And so there's a little bit more slip. So like when I really collect in the canner, that forward back motion, I can feel it more intensely in my Western saddle, which is again, going to be even more, there's a thousand Western saddles. So maybe this wouldn't be as true with a different one, mm -hmm. but it's there. And I know that if I put my dressage saddle on the shape and the leather and every, it, it would, I would feel a little more secure in some of those. And that's just fun to discover. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah, there's, <clears throat> excuse me, there are a million and a million different shapes, sizes, colors, Etc. of Western saddles, just like there are in English saddles, even within right. the same discipline. So you're right. right. You're going to have a different sensation there. That is so cool. I could just continue down this rabbit hole, but I don't want to hold up the show too much longer. So <laughs> give me a little bit of a preview of what we're going to see happening on this and upcoming episodes of the Western dressage version. Well, for sure, I would like to interview a judge I want, I want the judge's view and the trainer's view to show up in, in every episode. And that means outside of me. So me interviewing a judge, well, I'm not a judge, so that has to be outside of me. And then, then, a tr and then me interviewing a trainer 
And so I think because I, I love wearing all the different hats. So I love the fact that I go and take lessons. So this is going to be like totally awesome assignment to interview judges and trainers. Cause I'm going to be totally having my own agenda on learning more. And so I'm and bringing this information. So on this episode, we have Lauren Annette, who is a trainer, a coach and judges both traditional and Western dressage. And I asked her to share her advice for someone who would be riding their first test ever coming or see, I'm still practicing the lingo or as she says, coming down center line for the first time. And yeah, I'm fascinated by the lingo stuff too. And then, (laughs) and then I have an interview with Jennifer Roth, who is a trainer and a judge and my coach. And so she gets to offer tips about getting started in Western dressage. And, and I get really tempted to go, the hardest thing about both of these interviews was that I typically talk to these ladies for hours. And so my goal was to keep it short. And so I was just like, okay, let's go. And so I, I kind of think I might have them both on again and, and unpack even more because I really enjoy talking to the, the people in this industry. Oh, fun how fun. fun. I can't wait to hear this because I, like me, you, you geek out on training and equitation and learning to ride better, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I can't wait to hear these interviews, but we're going to take a quick break and hear from Kentucky Performance Products, and then we will be back with Lauren Annette. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Are you worried about digestive disorders such as colic, diarrhea, and ulcers making your horse sick? Try adding Nalox Advance to your horse's diet. The ingredients in Nalox Advanced support a healthy stomach, robust microflora populations, and normal gut function, so digestive disorders become a thing of the past. Nalox Advanced is recommended for horses of all ages to maintain a healthy gut and reduce the risk of ulcers, diarrhea, and colic. Why take chances with your horse's well-being? Start your horse on Nalox Advanced today. This segment of the podcast I am calling The Judge's View. And today I have asked Lauren Annette to join me. And I met Lauren when I attended the Western Dressage Judges School last year. And I was actually just auditing, but that's a whole nother story. Lauren judges, trains, and competes in both traditional dressage and Western dressage. So I thought she'd be perfect to ask this question to. So Lauren, thanks for joining me. And the question I have for you today is, what one tip do you wish you could give a rider who is about to ride their first test? So one tip I would give a rider preparing for their first test would be to read and understand the purpose of the level that they are competing. I think there's a lot of information rolled into that synopsis. And I would also wish that rider good luck. (laughs) Awesome. So for example, like I'm guessing, can you, do you think you can tell when somebody's riding their first test kind of almost no matter what level it is? Is there kind of a look that they appear to have when you see them enter the ring? Or is that just across the board? Do, I think I might have this look at every level every time I enter a new test. <laughs> um, I wouldn't say that I can recognize anyone's first trip down center line, but I'm not sure that's something that's necessarily on my radar. I can uh-huh. tell uh, if riders are more prepared or less prepared. But I think a lot of that's pretty normal, just having adequate exposure, access to resources that are applicable to our discipline. Okay. So can you give me an example? I love the idea of reading the purpose because I think a long time ago you helped me answer a question because 
I was getting a little bit confused basically between, let's just say the uphill balance that's, that's required at different levels because I remember posting something where I was riding at a, like a, like an, like an intro kind of a level and somebody was mentioning that the horse should be uphill. And then you helped me clarify that at the level I was riding at, it wasn't as required. Can you go a little bit more into maybe the purpose and, and maybe compare the difference between like an, like an intro or a basic level test versus like, say, a level two test so that we can see kind of that contrast between those two? Can you explain that a little bit? Fair. That's a good call. So at the top of each test sheet, we do have the purpose of the level. And our intro and basic level horses and riders, we want to first like understand the verbatim at the top. But what we really want to see is a horse that's able to execute the maneuvers and horizontal balance. At level two and above, we want the horses to have more of an uphill balance. There is a degree of engagement required for all transitions. That's more in the directives within the individual boxes. But that balance point comes with time and conditioning, not so much with just being able to execute specific movements. Because you can put a horse on three tracks doesn't necessarily mean you'll have the horse uphill, but that's what we get into when we start the shoulder in, which doesn't start until level two. But I think that the intro and basic level tests are not terribly dynamic in terms of what figures and exercises are being asked to be performed. but there is an opportunity to show your ability to maintain the balance through transitions and accuracy of figure. The balance is influenced by the hind leg, the back, and the reach into the contact. And I think some of what we see, especially as horses move through the levels, are the contact and connection pieces, which can become very confusing to riders. And that's probably a topic for a different day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it can get kind of it can get kind of big. I'd like to go just a little bit deeper. When you say that you wish they'd read or hope hope they know the purpose when they come into the test, as a judge, let's say that I come in and I'm riding like a basic or an, an intro level test, and let's pretend I haven't ridden that. What mistake is almost going to what am I gonna do out there in the arena that what am I gonna do while I'm riding the test? Okay. That's going to kind of tell you that I don't understand the purpose. Okay. So uh, counter flexing through your turns, not able to execute accurate figures, not able to utilize the figures to help influence the balance of your horse. For example, the discipline of line of travel on the 20 meter circle will help your horse reach into the contact. So th those sorts of things, maybe not understanding the halt should be immobile for three seconds. Yeah, I think those are some of the main ones I see. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. And I know for me personally, as as I've made the journey up through the levels, and this is kind of, maybe you can clarify to me what level you start to see this happen more. I remember early on before I really started showing in any dressage, I remember reading articles and hearing people say, use the corner to rebalance, use the corner to rebalance using the, it was, it was like a ton about the corner and riding the corners. And it wasn't really until I got into it and really my first few trips down center line were a shocking remembrance of how much your brain 
kind of wants to like feel overwhelmed when you've got this new test and this new pattern, this new, and you can still tell that I switch terminologies between my Western world and my English world. But I remember my brain being all scattered, but as it all came together, I remember the corners becoming like, oh, wait a minute. I am in the corner. I can, it's like required that I make contact because I, I had a tendency to want to pretend I wasn't actually handling my horse because that's like a throwback to some of my reining stuff where they kind of don't want to see you moving that much. And I remember riding the corners and, and the more comfortable I got at using that corner to rebalance that horse, the the more the judges were happy, the more the horse was happy, the more that I started to realize. So is that an example of what you're saying about like riding that movement in a way that it actually helps? Is that what you're saying with the 20 meter circles? Yes, that was very well put. And a good example of how we use our horses, how we use our corners to set our horses up for the next movement. Awesome. Awesome. Well, is there any other tip you would like to give to somebody who's riding their first test? this year to to enjoy the journey with your horse to Mm -hmm. to stay on your own center line try not to compare yourself to other people and you know really kind of revel in the moment that we have this opportunity to be with these horses on center line and that each test each trip down center line you know is is unique to that team Mm -hmm. and it's an opportunity to grow and build from it there's always tons to learn with dressage (laughs) so I, I hope they have fun with it That's awesome advice. I totally agree. Well, thanks, Lauren. And if anybody wants to find you online, where can they find you? My farm website is ballyvayfarm.com. We're also on Facebook. And uh, they can also just stop by the farm and visit us too. Awesome. That's that's on my list of things to do. I'd like to come over and ride with you sometime. And I'll make sure we put links to your place in the show notes. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you. And I'm so happy that you said you're going to have Lauren back again because that was great stuff. Totally geeking out on training. And it's obvious that you guys know each other really well and a great oh, rapport. Yeah. yeah. I love Lauren. Yeah. And that just makes for that much better an interview when you know each other really well. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. And speaking of knowing each other really well, Total Saddle Fit, they're the folks that sponsor the Total Saddle Fit Tip of the Week, which is going to be coming up shortly. And Total Saddle Fit makes something called the Shoulder Relief Cinch. Because it fits Western saddles, and it's a girth when it's an English saddle. It's a cinch when it's a Western saddle. More of that lingo thing, right? Lingo, yep. Lots of lingo. (laughs) Why can't it just be a girth or a cinch for everybody? But it's not. (laughs) So we're going to hear from Total Saddle Fit, and then we're going to come back out of that. And we're going to be listening to Jennifer Roth. Total Saddle Fit has the cinch that you've been looking for for your Western dressage saddle. The shoulder relief cinch actually changes the position and angle of the billets to prevent the saddle tree from interfering with the shoulder. The center of the cinch is set forward to sit in the horse's natural girth groove, while the sides of the cinch are cut back to meet the billets two inches behind where the horse's natural girth groove lies. This brings the latigos from angling forward to becoming perpendicular to the ground, which reduces the saddle's tendency to be pulled forward into the shoulders. With horses that have shoulder interference without angled billets, it simply moves the billets back to keep the saddle further away from the shoulders. The secondary benefit is 
To this shape is the cutback at the elbows. This gives more room for elbow movement as well and prevents galls in the elbow area. You can find the shoulder relief cinch at totalsaddlefit.com. That's totalsaddlefit.com. This segment I'm calling the trainer's tip. And on this episode, I've asked Jennifer Roth to join me. She is a trainer, a judge, and she's even coached me. And I asked if she could offer some tips for getting started in Western dressage. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me, Stacey. I appreciate it. So what I always tell people, regardless of the discipline that they're interested in, in this case, it's Western dressage, but even in classical dressage or any discipline, you know, if you're serious about whatever your interests are and you, you want to make yourself better, you want to make your horse better, you know, you have a path you know, a goal in mind, you know, you need to find a coach or a trainer that shares that same goal. You know, I have students that they want to show. I have students that don't want to show and their paths of learning are different because of where they want to end up. So whenever somebody comes to me and says, Hey, I'm interested in this, you know, can you help me? You know, I want to make sure that those people, you know, really do their due diligence and, you know, yeah, come watch me teach a lesson. Go watch this other person teach a lesson. Go to the horse shows. You know, if you're interested in showing, go to the horse shows. Watch not only the trainers themselves ride, which hopefully all of them are pretty good, but watch their students ride. Watch how the students go. Watch, you know, the results. Watch how everybody interacts, you know, how the barns interact with each other. You know, it's, it's often a very telltale sign to watch a group of clients under the same trainer, how they interact. Do you want to be a part of that sort of, that sort of atmosphere, that sort of team? You know, oftentimes some barns are more serious than others. Some are more laid back. You know, what kind of person are you? You need to find a chemistry that really works for you. And then also watching different people teach, you know, go and audit you know, their, their lessons or their clinics or whatever, you need to find a teaching style that matches your learning style. You know, sometimes people are very visual learners. Sometimes, you know, they have to be very hands-on, you know, find a teacher that teaches the way that you learn, that communicates to you in a, you know, some people like to be pushed really, really hard. Some people like to have their hand held, you know, you need to find somebody that can do those things that help you learn the most. The other thing I always encourage people to do when, you know, test driving a new discipline or anything like that, read a lot, do your due diligence, you know, learn about it, read the rule book. That's a, a mm, piece of yeah. <laughs> piece of equipment that people forget exists. You know, oftentimes, <laughs> you know, you go to a horse show, and you're like, well, what's legal? What's not legal? Well, it's all written down in the rule book. So read right. the rule book. If you have questions about the rule book, find somebody that can answer those questions for you. There are lots of you know, internet forums, I'm sure, or, you know, trainers or judges of the discipline that can, you know, help enlighten those, you know, gray areas for you. But I I often find that, and this is kind of, and I'm sure this is true for all disciplines, not just Western dressage and classical dressage, but people kind of get, they make a choice about a trainer. Sometimes it's a rush decision. And then they seem locked in this path, even though I think deep down, or maybe not even deep down, they know it's the wrong path, but because they're dedicated or they care about the person as a friend or they care about the other people in the barn, they continue to stay in the wrong environment mm-hmm. for too long. And I always encourage people to, you know, 
go try something else a little bit, go ride in the clinic. You know, there is that thing where you get too many voices in your head. That's a bad thing. I'm not advocating trainer jumping because I think that's a a poor life choice as well. But I, I hate seeing you know, good people locked in bad situations. And not, and not that the person's bad or the horse is bad or the trainer's bad, that just the chemistry of the relationship isn't working mm-hmm. and it's not doing the most for that person's journey. So that's, that's my other little piece of advice is keep your eyes open, keep your ears open, kind of always be willing to learn and, you know, try something new. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's awesome. What I heard you kind of saying like was, you know, there were some tips in there on getting started, like the watch and the learn and the, and the picking out kind of stuff. But then there's also advice in there for, you know, you've been going down this road for a while. Don't be afraid to, you know, look up and, and revisit it. And I think that's really interesting because what I've noticed over the years, and again, I've been a short time in the dressage side, but a long time in the horse industry. And it's always really interesting because when, like, again, you you see people that will train or hop and that definitely causes some issues in the horse because there's, you know, like somebody's, somebody's first 20 steps might be different than somebody, they'd, all the puzzle pieces don't come together the same way. And if somebody doesn't yeah. know the whole arc of the training, it gets a little hard on the horse because they don't, somebody involved in the horse needs to know the whole arc of training. But one thing you said that really struck me was the idea that, you know, like, make, you know, don't feel stuck in a barn. And it's always interesting to me because I like to try to encourage clients to, like, look around, go audit other clinics. And I think it's kind of telltale. If, you get, if you're in a barn that restricts you from doing this, this is the first red Big flag. Big red flag. <laughs> this is the first Big red, flag. red flag. Yeah. So Big if you, exactly. Yeah. So if you feel like you're in a place where you're like, I'm afraid to tell my instructor that I went somewhere, took a lesson, wanted to do this, this is a red flag. So I really like that you address that and, and that you brought up the clinic stuff because I'm coming over to your place to audit a clinic and I'm super Oh, are you coming to Dolly? That. I'm coming. Yes, I'm coming to your place. Oh, awesome. And I'll be auditing, by the way. I've got questions about that later. Excellent. But <laughs> but yeah, no, so perfect, I'll be auditing perfect. there. But it is exactly what I do too, is I go audit and, and you know, I'll go because I haven't seen somebody's teaching style and I want to know. And I like, there's different things I learn as an auditor than when I learn as a rider. And that was a fascinating oh, cool. breakthrough. And that's, that's just continuing education. That's just awesome. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I can't, like my clients, I'm like, yeah, you want to go ride in that clinic? Great. You know, it, even if it's something that I personally wouldn't want to ride in, I mm-hmm. find that regardless if you learn something, you you will learn something, whether it's that really didn't work for me. I never <laughs> want to do that again. You right. learn that. Or they say it in just, you know, a, a simple thing in just enough of a different way. Breakthrough, mm-hmm. epiphany, yeah. love it. It just made my life a little bit easier. So yeah, I absolutely agree with you that if you're in a place that's like shuts you off or puts the bag over your head or makes you drink the punch, like you need to like really revisit what you're doing because that's not a, a very good feeling if you feel like you have to be ashamed and hide. Like yes. that's not that's not a fun environment. I no, agree. That's not. And then I totally echo from what I've seen the same thing you were saying about like, you know, we go to the raining shows and it's kind of, it's, it's, I'm tr- now I'm trying to think it, it kind of, yeah, it reminds me of a very similar atmosphere. You know, you've got all the different, ho- all the different horses 
that are stalled with a particular trainer. So you end up with these aisleways that are kind of dedicated to different, and you can kind of look down the aisleway and you can see the ones that tend to have a lot of kids in the aisleway. And then you see the ones that have right. like a whole, like, their setup is definitely all about the, the different, well, everybody's got food. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you, you know, you've got all the different, <laughs> but you've got all the different, you know, kind of atmospheres around there. And so that's, yeah, I definitely see that everywhere. So if, when you're, when you're looking at shows, I'm, when you go to watch a show to be able to watch people being instructed and being able to watch, you know, the people showing, walk up and down through the aisleways and see the behind the scenes part of it. Cause that's almost yeah. as much or more fun. You know, the warm up pen, I'd rather watch the warm up pen and the, and the hallways and what's going on back there sometimes than, than the final product in the arena. So yeah, all Absolutely. kinds of, all kinds of good tips for, for getting started. And I'll just put it out there that, you know, for me, when I got started, I wanted my, my year end goal was Western dressage, but there was really nobody around here to, to take lessons from that would have been a Western dressage thing, a person specifically, like I kind of do Western already. So coming to you was a little intimidating and really fun. You know, it was like really fun. I forgot how much I really like having somebody really be clear with like, okay, we're going to do that again. Or I just remember in the one video I posted online, like I remember you, you said something about like, that was a little late. And I remember stopping and be like, you said late, but actually, wait a minute, where am I, where am I supposed to be? Because, you know, like right there in real time, I'm like, I just realized... I don't actually know what part of my body is supposed to stop <laughs> vaguely stopping near C, but you're reporting to me it's not. And and I love that I could just fire off in the middle of my lesson questions like that. And yeah, it just really fit for me. But it was for anybody who's considering it, like especially Western rider walking into a traditional barn, it there was an intimidation factor, but oh it was so worth like going and doing because it was it's been so enjoyable and I can't wait to come back. Awesome. Well, we love having you. That's for sure. If nothing else, I'm entertaining with all my mixed up terminology and all that good stuff. But <laughs> you guys you know, see it. Was, it's, really, <laughs> it's really fascinating, though, how much there is a relationship between all the disciplines. Yeah. You know, even though the terminology is a little different or whatever, you know, at the end of the day, every discipline, if you're in it for the right reasons, you want to enjoy your horse more. You want your horse to understand you. You want to have clearer communication you know, and there's 400 ways to skin a cat, but you know, we all, and and if we do show, we want to be moderately successful or at least feel like we're learning something or progressing, mm-hmm. and, you know, to some degree. Um, but it's just fun because I hadn't had a lot of, I judged it, but I hadn't had a ton of experience, you know, instructing Western dressage, especially to a rider as accomplished as you. And it was, it was a lot of fun kind of dissecting those different things about the different aids that you use to do the, you know, similar things to what we do. And it it was really, it was really interesting to learn just all of the different, you know, idiosyncrasies and stuff. So thank you for letting me play that game too. Oh, it, it's just the beginning. I'm, I'm coming back. So, but thank you. So thank you so much for coaching me and thank you for joining me on the podcast. Well, thanks for having me. It was fun. How can people get in touch with you? How can they find you online if they want to learn more? Oh, I'm a recluse. No, <laughs> I hide. I live in a bubble and I hide in, in under a, a bridge like a troll. <laughs> no, basically, I'm, I'm pretty much just a Facebook kind of girl. 
Um, so my Facebook page is Jennifer R. Roth, where, you know, I don't post much of anything interesting. My farm page is Milestone Farms LLC. You can find me there. And that's kind of more like the barn atmosphere and whatnot. I really don't have a web page because like I said, I kind of live in the 18th century and pretend that the world doesn't move as fast as it does. And then I have an email address if you want to email me. Yeah. So uh, that's dressagerider1980 at Gmail. Perfect. So. Awesome. Yeah. I, I I highly suggest anybody living anywhere near here comes to you. And oh. I like well, you're it's very Pataskala. Sweet. And it's awesome. It and I'll Pataskala. be over there. Yeah. And I'll be over there next weekend joining you. So watching me, watching me get my butt kicked around. It's going to be great. <laughs> yeah. I need to find out what time that ride time is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thanks. <laughs> so, this sounds awesome. So anyway, thank you for joining me on the podcast. Thanks, Stacey. And I'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye. It was so nice having both guests on today. And in upcoming episodes, I'll be discussing the training pyramid one layer at a time. If you're interested in finding out more about me online, I have a podcast and you can find it on any of your podcast players. Just search for Stacy Westfall Horse Podcast or find me at stacywestfall.com. I've done a bunch with Western Dressage, including a YouTube series and a Facebook page that you can join. And you can also find the show notes for this episode and more and links to today's guests at dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. 